And I really do strive for slow burn where that tension is building and you usually have one, I call it momentous uh, interruptus, where you think that these two are going to get it on. I mean, they are, mm, they're going to head there, but something interrupts them and it's like, oh. Hello, hello, and welcome to A Delayed Steam Scenes. I am your host, contemporary romance author El Greco, and this episode was delayed because life. Here's the tea, and I'm sure y'all can probably relate to this. My house has been an absolute disaster, like pigsty disaster since like December. Like, like, it's like six months of like total embarrassment. Like I've barely been able to kind of keep up with the dishes, right? Doing the dirty dishes. And every once in a while, I'll be able to like clean out the sink or wipe down the counters or, you know, bless up my husband. He will, he does the vacuuming. Thank God. Although some weeks he misses and now we have tumbleweeds of dog hair all over the house. I mean, it has been really bad, but you know, fair point here with the new day job, I only have time to clean on the weekends. And since I have family commitments on Sundays, um, that only lives Saturday, it's like my only day to take care of business. And that could be a freelance writing project. It's often this podcast um, gets put together. My intros and outros get done on Saturdays. And I put the whole episode together on Saturdays, write the copy for the the description, format all the, whatchamacallits, the, the, the graphics, the social media graphics and stuff like that. And that takes kind of a hell of a lot of time, believe it or not. So I've been filling in a ton of stuff on Saturdays because it's my only full day to do shit. And actually you can probably hear my washing machine running in the background right now because like multitasking, hi, doing laundry too. Anyway, I had to just stop the world and get my house in order. It was tax season, um, had to get those filed. It's just been a lot. And so anyway, podcast had to fall by the wayside. Things are still, Not great, but we're probably 75% there. Definitely living in less chaos in the living section of the space. Um, Please do not go into my bedroom or the office where I'm in right now. Like seriously, my, like my office is encroaching on my desk space and this really needs a clean out. I might have to take some vacation days to deal with it. But anyway, apologies to you and my guest this episode who is Sandra Young. Sandra is inspired by vintage fashion, and I think that's really cool as a lover of vintage fashion. And you'll hear in the episode, she actually does like some restoration of it too. It's really, really cool. Anyway, she writes a kind of combo of slow burn romance and women's fiction. So we really dive into some nitty gritty about the differences between chiclet and romance. We talk all about mangling the tropes because we both do that exceedingly well Um, and why she prefers to close the door at the intimate moments and we do dissect an intimate scene from her debut time traveling romance divine vintage it's great to be back with you and i hope that you enjoy the episode Sandra L. Young's passion for slow burn romance and vintage fashion inspired her to write her debut novel, Divine Vintage, published this past February with the Wild Rose Press. 
She's researched and gathered an impressive collection of garments and accessories spanning the late 1800s to 1990s, wearing pieces on stage through years of performing in singing groups and community theater. Her website at sandrayoungauthor.com features a few of her fun pieces that are included in the book. Welcome, Sandra, to Steam Scenes. I'm really happy that you're here. I've been looking forward to speaking with you, Elle. We'll have a good time today. Yeah, this is super fun. Okay, so vintage pieces. How many do you have? Or is that not a good question? Are you like, no, it's just many? <laughs> oh, it's just impossible for to me to count, actually, because... I have everything from jewelry to pairs of gloves. I actually have a couple of little corsets and stockings and uh, uh, all kinds of things. So many, hundreds. I mean, when hundreds. Did, I've, when did you start collecting? Really, about three decades ago. I could wow. go to estate sales and then nobody really knew what it was or cared in uh, in the Midwest, I guess. And I could get a box lot for a dollar of vintage clothing. And, you know, really, I wish I'd been smart enough to get a lot more when it was really cheap. And I just had fallen in love with it through the costuming in the community theater. So I started oh. building up, not putting a lot of money into it, but, uh, finding cool pieces. I'd wear them on stage and then I'd, you know, wear them out uh, as appropriate and uh, really have just enjoyed it over the years. That's really cool. So do you, do you mostly wear vintage pieces like every day? No, because of the fragility of yeah, it. Yeah. You know, they're, um, I'm, I'm a protector and a curator of it in many ways. And now most of my pieces people give to me because they don't have room for them or don't want to move it again. And they're just like, would you please preserve this for me? And so I just really um, look at it. That I'm trying to protect as much as possible. Now, the ones I do wear, of course, are sturdier. And now when I present on my book, which I've been doing a ton of, I always wear vintage pieces. I'm wearing a, a vintage uh uh, Chinese robe to be, you know, in the vibe of steam scenes today. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So, okay. Um, so the book, this is, this is what's really cool about divine vintage. You're kind of playing, it's not time travel, but you're, you're putting this in you're, exactly, but you're setting it in different, two different time periods. And so 1913 is one of the time periods or one of the years, what was it about that year? Well, for one thing, the fashion was beautiful. It's one of my favorite eras where they had these long, narrow silhouettes, I really called them hobble skirts down to the ankle. And it just was a really cool look, that kind of Titanic era. But okay. I also, I played around because I've been working on this book for years, as many of us do. <laughs> And I played around and moved my timeline as times went out, but I really wanted to keep it from being in World War One. That was okay. going to totally affect things. And then, of course, you had that 1918 first pandemic. And so my modern day, I eventually landed on leaving it in 2013 for this book. And then it's 100 years, a century old murder mystery that's tied around the vintage fashion and the, or the romance. Um Setting that in 1913, because, again, didn't want to take them into World War One, which would totally change the atmosphere. OK, so what is the OK, what does the fashion have to do with it? This is where I'm kind of curious. Like what how how is that linked? 
Oh, the fashion. Oh, the vintage fashion is a major catalyst for it because uh, Tess Burton has opened this vintage clothing shop in Michigan City, Indiana, and she's a clothing empath. So when she touches these cool pieces of old clothing, she can get images and they're really very sensory images. And she's asked to model this Edwardian gown at a beautiful old mansion. And when she does, she has a full out vision of a murder uh, occurring a hundred years before, but she sees it differently than the people in history have, you know, uh, brought down through lore in the community. So she convinces the handsome descendant of the accused murderer to see if they can delve more into these, you know, these visions into the past and the vintage fashions are that catalyst plus the woman's diary from 1913 and using those two things and their connection, they are able to really see back into the past and envision what was happening and see this mystery unfolding and new suspects. Oh my God. That's so cool. Where, okay. What sparked the idea? Was it, was it like a piece of fashion? Like what, what was it that, that gave you the, the germ of the idea? Interestingly, I actually woke up out of a dream and I hadn't really been writing for many years because the theater consumed me. I'd been a writer a very young age and loved books so much. But when I hit my early 20s, I started doing theater and it really took me over. I would do five shows a year. That's where my vintage clothing passion again arose. But, um, you know, when I got into a later age, I guess, one morning woke up with this dream and it had a vintage clothing aspect, still kind of hazy, set in a museum. And I sat down and I'm a pantser, not a plotter. And I poured out this novelette, you know, probably 45,000 words. And then the characters took me into a second one and a third one. And I was super happy to be writing again. I loved the story. And that vintage fashion had been the catalyst, you know, to really, again, get me into the writing. And uh, um, eventually over the years, I tweaked it up. It wasn't even a mystery when I first wrote it. She knew exactly who did it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. Okay, so when did you start writing? This book, I actually, it's been a probably a good dozen years ago. It's my first book I wrote. You know, they say, oh, often your first book. No, it never goes anywhere. This one, I have other, you know, works in progress that yeah. uh, that are in my repertoire. And I even moved into more of a women's fiction with a couple of them. But uh, this one was always, you know, my beloved first baby. And I really would keep going back to it. And I grew so much as a writer and I made very dedicated efforts to learn. And I was taking classes, not only in person, but also online. You know, Writer's Digest was a great resource. The Women's Fiction Writers Association has excellent, um, you know, webinars and such that they do. So I kept learning and learning about how to better do characterization and build the tension and the stakes and all these wonderful things that over the years I brought to this story until finally when I pitched it in a, would you believe it, a Twitter contest and landed a first contract offer, it was, you know, a much improved, uh, a much improved piece from when I first (laughs) threw it out there on the page. Was it, uh, was it Pitch Wars that you put it into or the, the Twitter contest? I think it actually was Pitch Wars that I decided to just, or pit, yeah, 
pit mat or pitch wars that I decided I was going to toss it into. And I got uh, this offer and it kind of ties into what we're talking about today because it was from a small traditional press, but they were based in Utah and they wanted PG, totally PG. And so in order, when they expressed interest, I went in and stripped out my, my steam scenes to send to them. And they, they loved the book and they came back, but I was kind of like, you know, I really like those scenes. I really don't want to lose those scenes. So I put it into another pitch contest called Savvy Authors, uh, Sweetheart Pitch, and I got another contract offer with the scenes reinstated. But I ended up looking at a, personally, I went out and uh, queried to the Wild Rose Press because I knew of other respected writers that were with them, talked to a couple of them. And I decided for my debut that I wanted to work with them. And they offered me a contract and the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. So you had three offers on this book. Yes. And I finally thought, you know what? At your age, I just really want to get this book out. And I could have kept, I could have kept looking. I could have gone, tried to look bigger. You know, I yeah. did, as, as you and other you know, authors, we, we try to do. I tried for an agent in early years. And I look back now and say, the book wasn't where it should have been. And I didn't know it at the time. It was a good germ, you know, a good seed. And I did have, uh, came close. You know, I had an agent that uh, read a full and just wasn't quite sold and resubmitted and still not quite. But uh, I eventually decided mm, not to go the agent scene and just kind of, you know, writing and seeing what will happen. But I still had that little hope that I publish someday and publish traditionally if possible. And, you know, it's come to fruition. So it's a pretty happy time. That's really fantastic. Um, and I mean, it's weird because it's like, yeah, it's your first book, but it took you, what, 12 years? Like, that's a lot of writing and rewriting and noodling. And, you know, so even though it's like the first book, it's not like the first book that took you six months to write. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. You Especially because you think you're done. And I'm working on the sequel right now. And I, I'm, I was telling people, because they go, when's your sequel out there? All excited. I'm like, well, I'm polishing it. But I've got it out with some critique uh, writers from the women's fiction uh, group. And, you know, they're, they're coming back and only one so far, but and she had some very valid points. So, yeah, I'm also going to have to rethink that one. And probably I'll do more reworking, even though I felt like at the time, well, you know, I'm getting ready to put it out. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> you probably need to put a little halt on this. And because uh, I want to be sure that the product I put out there, even if it takes longer, is quality, because I've set up this expectation with readers who've really enjoyed this, uh, you know, this mix of genres really that I have around the romance. Yeah. And I want to be able to do that again and replicate it in a quality way. Well, you know, I mean, you had mentioned that you were in like women's fiction groups and you were thinking this was women's. So at what point were you like, oh, you know what? This isn't women's fiction. This is romance. (laughs) This one, especially uh, women's fiction is categorized as following really the emotional journey of your protagonist, which is usually female. And there is, uh, you know, some emotional journey for Tess because she's had her confidence, you know, beaten down by a jerky ex-boyfriend. Uh, but it really isn't as much about her emotional journey in this as it is 
the romances and their dual timeline. You know, you've got the romances in both timelines and you've got the mystery, you know, that they're trying to solve and that ghostly element. So I really didn't feel like I could package this one as women's fiction. Whereas the sequel, it really does have a stronger character arc of uh, an emotional journey for Tessa's shop assistant, Marcy, uh, gets her story. And so that one is, again, though, it's going to have all those other genres wrapped around it. So uh, I like, I like, um, you know, a lot of different things to tweak me to, uh, to be again, but I love my romance. So I want my romance in there, but I like those other elements as well. I think they just add even more spice to the pot. Absolutely. And what is it about romance that you enjoy? Oh, I think even in real life, I like to see romance building and envision people building to their HEAs. But, you know, just like in life, again, there are other elements that influence the romantic journey. So, again, that's why I added those other elements like the mystery and the new suspects. Uh, and I fleshed out that 1913 romance timeline, too. And that and I made, a, you know, a rather sassy heroine for that era, because, again, where I still consider the romance to be the primary of this book, especially with them being in dual timelines. Um, but again, with the other fun elements weaving through. But yes, I, I love a good romance. And I think most people want to see a relationship of some yeah. sort in books. Yeah, um, I think men so like it too. You know, it can't, it's not just limited to women loving romance. Absolutely. Absolutely. It kind of almost sounds like you wrote two, two books in one with, the, <laughs> with these sort of dual storylines. I felt like it was rather um, a risk in yeah. what I'm doing, because for one thing, as we know, with a bookseller, it's like, well, where do I put this book? How or an agent too? Where am I going to package it and put it? And they like to have a neat answer, and there's not as neat an answer with mine as there is with some others. Like this is definitely a rom com, you know. This is definitely a romance or uh, erotic or whatever. Um, and in fact, one of my I had an excellent review from uh, it's an online review magazine in detail, and they gave me their five star crowned heart of excellence. And they slotted it into historical romance. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. And historical (laughs) romance is the secondary timeline, but they called it historical. And, you know, who am I going to to be to actually argue with them when they called it phenomenal and transcendent? I mean, if you want to read it and put it there and think it was wonderful... Well, I'm very happy about that. I'm not going to argue with it, right? I'm not going to argue with it. And I just got into a book sweeps. Uh, I'd been wanting to get into one of those to build my newsletter list. And the one that had opened up was, um, it had book club, historical, and literary. And, you know, my cover with that Edwardian era dress really works in the historical. And plus others have pulled it into the historical aspect. It's got it. So I slid it into that one um, because it's really not, it's not a rom-com. No. And it's, no, it's set in a smaller area, but the town it's actually set in, it's a real life town in the county where I live. It's 30,000 people. So it's not a real small town. So it's like, well, where do you position it the best? And I'm like, well, I think that's as, probably as good as any. 
Oh my God. So uh, there, there are sort of elements to Outlander here that I'm sort of gleaning, you know, even though she's doing time travel and you're dealing more paranormal and ghosts. Um, you know, I still think that there are, there, there, I see some parallels. Although that's super cool since it's such a popular series, definitely. And it's, it's, oh, it's the romance that drives that. I mean, yeah. and um, certainly, reading about that romantic aspect and then seeing it and how hot Jamie was. <laughs> the, you know, that <laughs> <acting. He's> hot? <laughs> Super hot. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the danger, right, of, like, having your books adapted, like, that you're going to end up with the, you know, the hero who is maybe not what your readers <laughs> pictured. And even though, like, you know, actors are – typically very good looking you know but like, then you get like jamie and you're just like wow yeah there's <laughs> there's a pinnacle to that for yeah. sure <laughs> she's lucky that claire is a lucky woman <laughs> which is just like hilarious to think about it like you know like did you ever think that that was gonna blow up like that right <laughs> well and my you know my main hero in this uh tray He's a really good looking guy too. I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's your book boyfriend that, you know, you'd like to date. And, and I do consider him that cinnamon roll. He's got, he's skeptical about these visions and just, uh, it's hard for him to swallow them, but he's, he's really into tests and he's, he's got this, he's smart and he's hot and he's kind and, you know, generous and just like, ah, oh, you know, you with something like this, you write somebody that you would like to date, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I love the cinnamon rolls. I know alpha heroes are a big deal and everybody loves the alphas, but I really dig the sort of beta hero, you know, the nice guy. Um, I don't know. I, I just like that. I like, I like yeah. the, I like the way he fits into the heroine's journey um, rather than kind of overpower her journey in a way I think sometimes alpha alpha males can yes yeah I agree absolutely and I think we're seeing a lot of that if you look at social media that women are liking the the cinnamon rolls you know why else does it become a, a trope but that people right. like it and it's interesting because years ago you didn't necessarily fit your romances into these tropes, but it's like, oh yes, it's like with this one, I was like, oh well, I do have a one bed situation, and um, my my sequel is a grumpy sunshine. So, and nowadays the tropes are for social media, they like those. They do like the tropes. I struggle with that because I feel like I don't quite fit in to you know. I, I don't know, you know, and it sounds like you might too, where you're kind of like well, it's kind of small town, but not really. And it's kind of age gap, but sort of not, but that's not such a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But we don't want to be boxed up either. I mean, yeah. to be honest, you're either going to say, well, they say, you know, don't write to what the trend is because the trends are going to change too. You write the story that's begging to come out and you cross your fingers, you'll find the readers. And that is hard, you know, putting out your first one and you open a vein and, hey, everybody, here's my wonderful creative, you know, what we spent years on and right. please, please like it. Because if you don't, oh, I've been super fortunate that my reviews have been really overall very, very good. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm coming from a small press. They, they don't have bookstore distribution. And so that makes it harder. And thankfully, I have a lot of PR marketing background. And uh, so I'm out there really, especially locally, doing a ton 
of things. But, um, you know, the a lot of people don't read the reviews. And I actually have because they're so heartwarming and it's wonderful to see people connect. And there's been a couple that, you know, didn't really like it. And I expected that. And I learned from those and I was fine with them. So my skin isn't thin in, in real life, but I have found for this that I've basically probably because though the overall has been very positive. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I, re I look at my reviews too, and people think that I'm nuts, but you know, I mean, truthfully, I, I want to know if somebody didn't like it, you know, the why they didn't like it is helpful. Like, this is how I learn, right? This is how we all learn. And exactly. The, exactly. And I, I think so too. You know, and we have, yes, we can have editors and we can have beta readers and we can have all of these other people, but ultimately like, you, you know, that we can, we can't give it out to hundreds and thousands of people. Right. So, so mm -hmm. if, so there are things that maybe don't resonate with readers that just were never picked up by our team. And if you find that overwhelmingly as a message, then mm, you yes. definitely want to listen. Now, on the other hand, even though you do take it to heart and, and, and think about it, if one person says something and yet all your reviews and the readers you meet in person, because I'm meeting tons and tons of readers in person, you know, and uh, they're liking it as it is. And it's like, no, 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 you, I thought you had exactly the right amount of characterization or detail or whatever, right, right. because we write things for, for a reason, a specific way. And I wrote this as a lighter, fast read on, on purpose. It was a little bit experimental that I actually stripped it down more because I was not that uh, streamlined of a writer. I probably was more descriptive and, you know, as women's fiction can be, but I really kind of tried to experiment and move to a different direction with it. And again, it's, it is resonating, but I do know that people are looking for a lot of description or really in depth. Uh, they are not going to find that here because that's not what I was setting out to do. Right. It was to move you through this, this story. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just the wrong book for the wrong person. Like we've definitely, I've definitely had that, but then other times there's like, I'm like, Oh, you know, fair point fair point. And, and yes. let me think about that for the next one, you know? So I, if the, if the review is well written and it can be helpful, if it's just a review, like this sucked and so does the writer, then that's well, <laughs> not really useful. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're a hater. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just, that says more about the reviewer than it does the book. <laughs> it does. It does. So, and those are the ones, it, it, you know, they do sting. Uh, every review does, you know, that isn't quite as good as the others have a little bit of a, a sharp edge, but again, um, you know, li life is like that too. So we really do have to look and, um, uh, and, and weigh it that way. And yeah, you and I just apparently have that thick enough skin that we can at least say, hey, it's a learning experience and we're going to we're going to go in for it. And I guess if people hit a lot of them that were really zinging them, I could see where they might say, I've got to step away. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not to say I've had a few I've had a few that I've been like, ooh, ooh, that that's a sucker punch right there. <laughs> um, you know, but like I said, for the most part, I will, I will pretty much ignore those, but I will look at the ones like I, I had, um, a reviewer actually give me, 
it was a really lovely review on my on the, the first book in my series um and i ended up getting her the second book and giving it to her uh, you know as a gift because it was like a three star or something like that and she was like i love the writing the thing that pulled me out of it was i just did like this ma male main character in this first book and i was like fair enough i don't really like him either and <laughs> And there was like, but there was a whole story behind it. I had written it for um, a small press and I had certain parameters and it was like the alpha hero. And I've just come to discover that I'm just, I just don't like writing the alpha hero. And I think it mm. kind of came through, mm -hmm. you yes. know, and I'm, I mean, I'm still going to keep trying because, <laughs> you know, that's, I want to push myself, but it was like, I think, I really think it came through in that first book that, um, that I was struggling with him or that I wasn't. Anyway, it, 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 he didn't resonate with her. So I gave her the second book and I said, I think this one might resonate more. Well, and also, you know, heat level will is something that if people don't get the heat level they expect, that is something that we, we both know can, uh, can turn them one way or another. Yeah. Uh, they're looking at something and thinking it's going to be, you know, they want something really mild and it's erotic and it's, you know, they're like, Oh, <laughs> or, you know, vice versa. If they say, Oh, this is really bland. So there are many ways that you can turn a reader on or off. And certainly steam is, uh, is one of those important <laughs> components. Oh yes. Oh yes, it is. So, Let's just get into it um, <laughs> with this okay. one again, because I, I'm sort of very intrigued by this, that it start the book started as women's fiction. So obviously there, there was a relationship layered in there, but did you have steamy moments it, when it, when you were drafting it as this women's fiction piece? Um, this one, I don't think I ever with this one said, well, it's going to be definite women's fiction, but I did, I did lean on having some emotional journey for her, which was that confidence issue where she's trying to open this new business, but echoing in her head is this ex jerky boyfriend saying, Oh, you know, you really think you can do this? You know, that he just, he was controlling kind of, you know, kind of beat her down uh, to, to doubt herself. So yeah. I made sure that that did come through in various places, but it wasn't the dominant thing uh, because I do think you don't want to see somebody whose life is perfect either. You know, uh, when we are reading about people, if everybody is perfect in a book, then we're like, ah. Uh, well, we have nowhere to go, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. There's, there's no growth. There's no change. And people read for change and challenge. And as we know, we've got to have them hit their darkest days and all these things that the readers don't think about, but really do expect to see that right. we as writers have learned that we need to give them. And it's just one of those things that uh, uh, they're rolling along and just saying, oh, wow, you just write one chapter in the next, you're just, you know, bringing me along. I just couldn't wait. And it's like, ah, then, you know, you've achieved what you were trying to do, but it's a, a learning process and uh, that you are working all these elements and you're balancing them. To me, writing is very much a balance and a puzzle. Sometimes I will, you know, I would move scenes or, you know, move things around and they still fit. They still right. fit in different places. You just have to, you know, make the puzzle work in the way that is going to be the most intriguing for everybody to want to keep reading through. So this one is close the door, but it's got the steamy elements. It's, it's Samantha Chase does this. She was one of my first guests and I love Samantha. Um, and she writes very steamy moments and then she closes the door. 
(laughs) (laughs) And you're like, we're right there. And then it's like, fade to black. And you're just like, shit, shit. (laughs) And you do the same thing. You are writing very, very skimmy moments. And then you do close the door. I I think it's more like, you know, it's not a slam. It's more of just a gentle close. Um, Right. You know, and a very easy fade to black if we were watching a movie of this, you know. (laughs) Um, How come you decided to close the door? Oh, I think, you know, it's a combination of things. And one of them is that I am setting my books, this uh, series in my local area, my county. And I had positions as executive director of a healthy communities initiative. I was a vice president of community foundation. So I was out and, and known in the community. And I've certainly used all my connections in uh, you know getting the book promoted out. But because of that, I really was thinking, okay, how are people going to look at these love scenes and me? Uh, you know, if I go too far. And that did keep me a little bit on a leash. You know, I'm active in a church. And the funny thing is that a lot of the church ladies have read it. Only one said, oh, that's a little spicy for me. The others just grin and are like, we love your book. I had to really think about not only perception uh, locally, just kind of, you know, mm, how far do I want to go? Well, yeah, as I said, I wanted to go so far because I wasn't taking that PG of totally getting it out of there because that to me was just too dry and boring and bland. Mm. But I also, I guess I've read things that are much more erotic, but for me, I like this where you come up to a certain point and you've got the, the steam, you build up to a, it's a slow burn. So that sexual tension has built throughout this book. You, you have the door open for the foreplay. I use tasteful. I say it's tasteful mid-level steam because they go beyond kissing, they're caressing, they're shucking their clothes, but you don't necessarily hit those specifics of the bodies joining and um, it's not as graphic in terminology because right. I don't, I don't particularly uh, groove on that either. Um, nothing wrong with it, but you know, everybody has things, ways they like to read it. And I guess I like a little more romantic central build than I do a, you know, wow explosion uh, <laughs> of everything. Well, I, I, you know, I was sort of curious because you had had made a note of that on the, you know, the, the guest form about, you know, having being very active in your community and and promoting this within your community and it being set in your community. And I was like, oh, like, what if, like, you know, like, what if this wasn't like, what if that wasn't a concern for you? And you just were like, you know, a pen name, you're completely anonymous, whatever it might be. And then you were like, what if that had happened? how would you have open would that door be wide open you know <laughs> you know that was a great question because i still wouldn't go more graphic with terminology cuz that's just really not my that's just not my my groove right. but i would i would lengthen the scenes yeah i'd have even more steam i would take them <laughs> deeper uh i would uh, because i can see that at this point i read back on them and i was kind of like having read there's another debut from the Wild Rose Press with me, and she's doing Regency erotic romance. Mm. And so, you know, it's very graphic, and there's a lot of scenes. And after having read hers and the second one in her series, I'm like, this is really pretty tame. <laughs> but 
again, it's still, I think, a level, like a mid-level you know, when you look at heat levels, because I was just with a group of ladies the other day. I had a, a special little party. I donated an experience around my book for a an arts center that had a fundraiser. And uh, somebody bought that. And so I went over and met with them. And one of them said, oh, it was pretty steamy. And the others looked at it and said, no, it wasn't. So, <laughs> it's so subjective right very subjective and you know i look at one you know one steam kettle or chili pepper or something being these people barely get to a kiss their hallmark they barely get to that kiss there really hasn't been any real sexual buildup even they're just kind of moved up they're done and then you know they move into uh, a level where oh yeah they're kissing and you know they're going to go to bed but that door has you know firmly slammed before that you know they're heading there, but you really don't see anything. Then you hit mine where, yeah, the door's open. They've gone in. They are, you know, they're indulging. They're having a heated, fun time. But then it goes to a soft fade. And then you're moving into a, a four level where, yeah, it's going deeper in the graphics. It's longer, more intense. And uh, then five, I take more as Ah, uh, yeah, there you're full out erotic, you know, erotic, erotica, and you're getting all the terminology, getting lots of scenes, and uh, really digging deep for it. So that is how I look at a five, you know, five scale for steam. Yeah, it's really funny because, I, okay, so there's a thing on TikTok. Are you on TikTok? I need to be, I, and I, I could do this as an actress. It's the tech part that scares me. So in the time, but I really do plan to get on there because I'd probably actually like it. Actually, you know what? Your vintage shit will go, like people will probably go nuts for that. If you start like pulling out your vintage stuff, like that's like some great, that that's like one of the great things about, um, about TikTok and, and that video format. And if you're comfortable on it, I'm super awkward on video. So I'm like, it's really hard for me, but I, you know, I'm there, I'm watching, I'm trying to learn and get my, you know, get my head around it. Um, but they've been sort of talking about medium steam. Like this has been a whole kind of movement on TikTok about medium steam. And I'm sort of baffled by this because I'm kind of like, I guess it's closed the door, but then you think, well, what's, how many chili peppers is that? Cause my, my books, I I'm getting like three chili peppers on the reviews and I'm kind of like, I thought I was more of a four, maybe not <laughs> quite a five, but you right. know, I'm not doing like are. hard kink, you know what I mean? But like it's yeah. steamy and the door is wide open and I'm using some very graphic terms mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm like, I don't know, I only got a three chili pepper. What's going on? <laughs> What do I need to do, people? <laughs> but there seems to be this sort of like, it's really hard to sort of say, like, what's medium steam? To quantify it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because everybody's going to have their own definitions of what they like and their starting point even. And so maybe you and I are both in toward a mid-level, I'm lower mid, you're upper mid, but you're, you're, you're rocketing toward the, uh, uh, toward the uh, higher side, definitely than I am. Have you ever tried to write a little bit more graphic? Have you even tried it? I'm very curious. Not, no, not really. Okay. Uh, I'm, sure I could. <laughs> I was just kind of curious, like what that, you know, 
like, like what that would be like. Well, I mean, even without going completely graphic and let's just say like, because again, your stuff is steamy, you know, um, what was that like writing your first, your first steamy moment? The, again, it's been a long time since I uh, wrote the, the first on it. And uh, being, again, a pantser, it just kind of all poured out. I didn't plan anything out. And really, the first scene that has some steam, steam in it is the, um, the one bed scene. And that comes earlier in the book. And uh, the, you've got the modern day hero and heroine, they are uh, at the mansion and they're trying to, you know, determine, can they actually use this clothing to see into the past? Can he do it? Oh. And uh, yeah, she can, she knows it, but can he can do, he it? do Will it? Will it also right. work as a catalyst for him? So, you know, they end up sharing the one bed and wearing the vintage night clothes. And, you know, it's a build up of, ooh, it's steamy, but they have not done anything yet. They're attracted, but there's this issue of this weird, you know, this weird mystery psychic thing going in between them. And so they're just kind of still keeping keeping a little bit of distance, but they end up in this one bed and they, uh, you know, without being a spoiler, they envision the 1913 honeymoon. Now this is 1913. So it's going to be different from our steam level. And she, you know, Phoebe is a, a virgin in that era. And uh, so, you know, that's, there's this buildup and that was really the first one. And when I go back and read it again, it seems tame in a way, but it is very sensual and I read it and I smile. I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. (laughs) I think that's that's a really good word actually for your scenes is the, is sensual. Cause that, that is, you know, cause when I sort of think about, and, and there, there is a steam, there's a steam level too sensual, but it is sensual. I think that that's actually a very, very good word. And that is one, when I was thinking through our, uh, looking at the questions you sent, which are very good questions, that is what really where I land. I, I think you're you're right that uh, it is sensual. And I really do strive for slow burn where that tension is building. And you usually have one, I call it momentous uh, interruptus, where you think that these two are going to get it on. I mean, they are, mm, they're going to head there, but something interrupts them. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, you've brought them up this peak. And, and it's, it's all about that anticipation. Right. And that's what I really like to build is anticipation. And I do draw it out. Some people prefer to get their steam hot and heavy right away, of course. And, you know, that's fine. It's a totally different kind of book, but I really like to see it build. And I want that sexual tension. And I call it a tingle where you're just like, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's keep on moving, you know. And when you finally get to it, it should be that kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I like to build too. I like, I don't like to go at it right away. Um, you know, in fact, this, the small press, like I that I was writing for, and then again, I had a lot of parameters there. And one of which is the first chapter had to have sex. Oh, wow. And you needed it, to go right and into it. it. And yeah, like you had to go right into it. And I just remember sort of like trying to craft these, these first scenes, you know, these first moments, but you know, and you're going, well, you know, why would somebody that you're just meeting, like, why would you just strip down and have sex with them right away? 
That's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. Uh, you have to be able to put yourself into your characters because that's what we do. We right. have to embody our characters. I'll even I'll even make movements and talk while I'm writing to see how a movement would really play out if right. it works, and I'll talk through something. And if you really don't feel that yourself and have it's that's a very free uh, personality. Someone that just is like, hey, I've just met you, but I, you know, uh, let's do it. Um, it's hard. That would yeah. be a hard thing to overcome. And I'd have to be put my actress persona on because as an actress, you know, I can do a lot of things and uh, have done a lot of things that real me would not do. And that's probably how I would write a much more erotic scene. I just, I just put my acting head on and, oh yeah, I'm sure I could get you know, down and dirty if I right. applied myself. Right. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting that you have the background in theater. There are actually so many romance writers that I've talked to that do have some sort of background in theater. I spent 20 plus years working in professional theater and entertainment. And, you know, there, so there are a lot of us out there, um, you know, writing these books. Well, great. We should form a support group. I know <laughs> we really should. We really should. Are you still performing or have you put that to the side now that you're writing? Well, I am singing up much more now because I did, um, I've done 75 shows over the years and it's mainly community theater. I've been paid some, but I never tried to go professional uh, because, you know, that just wasn't my, my goal. And I was doing, I really was working the nonprofit sector and grooving on that and uh, volunteering and all the things. And, uh, but I did enjoy it a great deal, but really I've moved into the singing because I've come into my own about the same time I, as I became, you know, let my writing come through again the singing, I became a much stronger and, uh, uh, you know, the singing became more important in my life. And I could work myself up to have the confidence to solo before I was kind of like, oh, didn't breathe behind it. And once I finally started doing that, I was singing in a rock band. And now I'm in a trio um, that we're doing quite a bit. Tomorrow we have a gig. And uh, I'm also in a praise team, a band at our church. And now the singing, I just love it so much. So between the writing and the singing, now the theater's taking, it had years of my life, it's taking a back seat yeah. to these now because I'm getting so much joy out of really exploring these creative avenues. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of curious because you said you, you know, you have confidence now to step out and solo. I'm wondering, and it seems to have happened around the same time that the writing really started taking off. I'm wondering if one informed the other or that confidence level, or you got, you got that confidence boost from, I don't know, maybe both at the same time, one is informing the other. I'm very curious about that. You know, that's, that's um, a good, good thought, you know, that perhaps that creative juices uh, were fueling each other on. And also I would, begun singing I basically sung for 20 years with our church rock band and there the person who was leading it was a really good singer and performer she's a really excellent actress too and I started learning just like I did with the writing learning a lot more from her and how to breathe and phrase and um Again, it just added to my confidence and then I was doing some theater and met some guys in a band and uh, ended up joining them as the you know, female singer with them. And so by then I, I'd grown that confidence, but it was all just kind of rolled together. And I was still doing theater at that point too. In fact, some of my 
most fun roles. I was in Noises Off, which is probably one of the best shows I've done because we really nailed the timing. It's a really fast yeah. pace. Very fast uh, pace. And demanding comedy. And we nailed it. And so, you know, I did probably some of my best theater. Everything was coalescing into this, you know, wonderful creative time because I really am, you know, a strong creative at heart. Yeah. I love it when that happens, right? <laughs> Um, so I'm trying, I'm curious before we get into your intimate scene, what, what to you makes an intimate scene good? What's important to you? We've talked about the fact that, uh, that it's sensual. So for me, I think it really is, you know, you've got this lead up that, you've just watched this couple and you watch the dance and it it's been growing and you're, you're cheering them on. It's like, Oh yes. You can't wait for them to, um, you know, to move farther and deeper. And I think as a romance readers, people want to immerse, they want to lose themselves in the moment. Mm -hmm. So while others like to leap right into the heat, as we said, <laughs> When you do reach the steam scene, I think readers, you know, myself too, we want to imagine ourselves in that setting. And whether it's soft and swoony or, or it's hot and it's hard, it should take the reader on a ride. It's going to lift them out of their everyday, you know, humdrum life. And as I said before, it should leave you with a tingle of satisfaction. Mm, I absolutely. think that, you know, for me, I want to read it and feel like I come out of it with the satisfaction um, that, oh, they've connected and it was really, it was worth the wait. You know, no matter when it happens, if somebody comes out of it and said, well, that fell flat, then you have not accomplished your goal. I mean, I guess for you, like, how do you know? Like, I think that's the thing with with me anyway. And I think I think a lot of writers experience it. Like, you know, I go through the phases with my manuscript where I'm like, you know, I guess it depends on like what editing pass I'm on. And I'll be like, oh, wow, this is actually really good. <laughs> and then I, and then the next pass will be like, who am I kidding? This sucks. This is terrible. The characters suck. This isn't going anywhere. And then the next one, I'm like, oh, actually, this is. So I'm kind of like, do you go through that or or do you have that confidence when you're. Oh, no, I absolutely, absolutely understand that. Those <laughs> highs and lows of yeah. looking at it. And every darn time I go into the, the manuscript, I mean, I don't go back into this one because I don't want to do it anymore. But as I was working with my editor and now as I'm working, you know, polishing up the sequel and I haven't moved to the phase, you know, of even pitching it yet because I want it to be, you know, in, in good shape. But I, every time I hit it, I change how it's said and think, oh, I've made it a little better, you know, and then you go in the next time, oh, you know, you tweak it a little more. And with the steamy scenes, I've worked on them some more too. And especially the buildup right before it, because again, it's this, you know, it's this build where you don't just open a door, slam in and jump in the bed. For me, you know, you are starting and, uh, you know, one by one things are happening that are just, you know, ramping up your tension and your, you know, sexiness. So I've gone back in and tried to tweak to enhance that, hmm. you know, in all ways in, in this new one too. 
do you slow down in terms of like your writing speed and, and your your writing pace, not necessarily the pace of the story? Do you find that, that, that when you get to those steam scenes, you you slow down, your productivity kind of slows down? My, mine screeches to a halt. <laughs> <laughs> your mind suddenly goes, oh, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> um, you know, I guess I find as I write, especially initial drafts, I'm somebody who really pours it out onto the page and it's not got that that really that depth that is going to end up having with your characterization and everything else it's more in detail even the detail of the people around them their emotions um i come back in and i'm trying to do that more as i write now instead of just you know throwing out more of a you know a, a skeleton story but um i think I think I probably do slow down somewhat because whereas other things, it's just kind of an everyday flow. When you yeah. know you're really trying to create something very special because those love scenes are special, especially, you know, yeah. in a romance, they are. And so it is slow, slow down and think about this as you, you know, work your way into it. Um, don't just wham, bam. and <laughs> Right, right. And right through it. But then coming back, as I said, and reworking and reworking to get the feel you want from it. Right. You know, it's funny because it's sort of thinking about how my process has evolved over, you know, over however many scenes that I've written and, you know, and sort of my understanding. Because I think innately as a writer, we have these sort of like, you know, things innately about story and then. And so you don't really think about it, but as you grow as a writer, then you start really actually seeing what you're doing, which feels like, I don't, like, I don't know, you, you know, like my formal training was actually in playwriting, not in novel writing. So maybe, maybe people who have had the formal novel training, you know, think differently, but I know it took me some time to figure out, like, to, to approach the scene as saying, what do my characters want out of this intimate moment and how is this intimacy between them going to change them moving forward? Uh, yes, very good questions to ask. Absolutely. You know, that's delving deeper beyond just their actions. Right. You know, but, so you've, you're putting that extra layer in there that really would build, build right. very nicely. Right. And um, yeah, for me, I think I'm just looking at it of, again, because I'm not going, my scenes aren't as long as yours as in depth. So I'm focusing a lot on just building that sensuality that, uh, you know, that anticipation mm. and getting them into it where it's like, Oh yes, you know, the, it's that, again, that swoony kind of, you know, they're really into it at this point and you are too. So I think I'm uh, probably tied. It's, it's both physical and mental. Definitely. Yeah. Because if your characters only have the physical, Again, they'll come off flat on the page. We know yeah. your characters have to have that backstory. We have to be aware of it. And hopefully it is infusing it uh, unconsciously at this point. Right. As we write. But it's right. work. And we do have to work at it. Yeah, it sure is. And I think that's probably why I felt so awkward with like writing the first chapter and having the encounter right there, you know. Although I kind of feel like there's my next challenge. Like I need to put it in the first chapter again and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> figure out how to do it, you know? 
<laughs> that it's almost like you just have to treat it as own little short story almost and just kind of say, okay, I'm just gotta write a sex scene. And um, because you are hitting it so soon, as you said, you're not even, you're not giving yourself the time to get lubed and ready. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're just dropping right into it, which is uh -huh. kind of, I think, you know, kind of a, kind of a cool challenge, you know, now that I'm sort of have more experience writing these moments, I'm, I'm sort of tempted to go back there and see what happens. You know, <laughs> it would be interesting to do a romance, you know, sex, sex writing, uh, uh, scene, uh, at a conference and to just have people say, okay, just right now, write a sex scene right now, you know, just take your characters, boom, boom them right into it. And see yeah. what people come I actually, with. I actually taught, taught a workshop and it was really funny. <laughs> that was just writing the sex scene. So mm -hmm. there you go. <laughs> with, with non-romance writers, which was really great. Like I kind of, you know, I think that that's a really fun thing to do is sort of, you know, work through these steamy moments with, with writers that don't write romance that have no experience in that and might feel uncomfortable. And, you know, if you did get a little bit more explicit in your book, whether you're writing a thriller or lit fic or whatever, you know, what, what is that going to, how, how can you do it so that it works with the characters and it maybe, you know, improves the story. It's got, got to be very hard for people that really, as you said, aren't romance focused, but they feel like the relationship of their characters is important and that's where it's yeah. going and it needs to take them. It probably is more uncomfortable. I read a lot of, um, I read a lot of uh, thrillers and sort of like police, you know, like, like uh, Michael Connelly's Bosch series. I absolutely am obsessed with that book and the Lincoln lawyer. I love his stuff. And he does write relationships for his characters. You know, I mean, obviously it's not the focus and they're constantly, they can't keep a relationship going. But there are not necessarily full-on sexy moments, but he, these characters do have relationships because that really is part of the life experience, you know? And I'm always like, you could give us a little bit more there, Michael <laughs> Connolly. You could give us a little bit more. <laughs> yes. And why doesn't he? That would be the question. I why know. not? <laughs> All right. I want to dig into your steamy scene. Um this is from Divine Vintage, your debut novel. Set this up for me. Where are we in the book? Well, at this point, there has been a, you know, kind of a reconciliation of the main characters, and he surprises her by saying he has a business trip. He's an architect, and he's going to be flying to Paris. And it's a you know, rather, rather short trip, and he says, would you like to go with me? And she's like, oh, of course, you know, for one thing, she wants to check out the vintage fashion there. But, you know, they get there, they have not slept together. They have okay. come close, but they haven't. But there's definitely steam and tension between them. And so, you know, they're arriving in Paris, uh, uh, basically. And, uh, you know, I don't want to do too much of a spoiler to myself, but, uh, you know, to the book. But, um, yeah. You know, the City of Lights is where uh, where they finally they finally are able to you know be alone and and indulge and uh, you know have that that ultimate uh, joining. Right. Okay. So we we have just in this in this chapter the scene they've just arrived from the airport to their hotel. Um. And now you had mentioned a one bed. Is this a one bed? Is this where the one bed is? 
That is not. The one bed is uh, much earlier in the book, and that's the 1913. Okay, that's when okay. they have the visions back to 1913. So it's modern day, but they're in that uh, mansion right, and right, trying, right. To, trying to vision. But once again, we have a one bed. <laughs> yeah, we do, because she's agreed to that. He's offered two hotel rooms, and she's like, no. No, I think we can do that. So he's being very, he's being very much the gentleman. Right, right. Okay, so um, so they're sort of like trying to decide, well, what are we going to do next? I think we need to, you know, I think they're going to go sightseeing or something like that, right? Right, they're um, trying to decide. It's like he's giving her all these options. His preference is to tumble into bed, but he's being very kind and gentlemanly, giving her <laughs> options. Well, maybe, would you like to sleep? Would you like to eat or see? Okay. <clears throat> Though Trey was disappointed not to explore his unmentioned preference of tumbling into the double bed immediately, he recognized that Tess would probably prefer to shower, and the words were snapped back in his mind as she whirled to face him, standing close and intimate. To hell with practicality. We're in Paris. She fused her lips to his, caught off guard, his body reacted with a swift hormonal surge that had him standing at taut attention. The intensity of the kiss zoomed past the level in the cab toward fever pitch, and he slid his hands under her blouse. She arched backwards, giving him room to freely caress. God, I want you so much. His breath was ragging as he tore away long enough to pull the fabric up and over her upraised arms. Tess dragged his mouth back down as she slid up on her toes, their bodies meeting at the most intimate of junctures. He wrestled to hold on to his sanity as her busy hands tugged his shirt out of his slacks. He fleetingly realized they were standing fully exposed in the window. As she flicked open the buttons, he backed her, he backed her in an intimate two-step toward the bend, toward the bed. She shoved the shirt off his shoulders. He released the clasp on her lacy black bra. They sank down onto the spread, skin to skin. Though her assertiveness was driving him to the brink, Trey slowed to heighten the sensations, grazing her lips with his, moving to her soft cheek the long white curve of her throat down to her breast. Her moan and the upward lift of her body drove another shaft of pure white heat to his groin. He kissed his other way, he kissed his other way to the other, he kissed his way to the other side of her warm flesh as his hand moved to the waist of her slacks. She pulled, pulled him against her chest as they tumbled prone onto the bed. Their tongues twined again, sensuously mating until his body begged for release. He shivered when she murmured against his lips. Love me, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like, oh, oh my God. Like, like, okay, they're about to do that. Well, first of all, I love the rhythm that you set, particularly when there was like this, she shoved the shirt off his shoulder. He released the class with broad. They did this thing. They sank down together. Like, I kind of really loved that. Um, that pacing thought was really, really cool. Um, and and yeah, like this was steamy without being graphic. <laughs> and I loved listening to you read it. I mean, I'm, I'm just, my ear, you know, I'm just up there listening like, ooh. <laughs> it's, so fun. it's so fun to have somebody read it. And you've got a great voice, you know. Uh, um, yeah, we probably have the, we have the low sexy voices to do the Steam Seeds <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, so I just thought that this was, you know, there, there's a lot happening here that's, that again is like drawing out 
I'm going to use the word sensual again, drawing mm -hmm. out the sensuality without necessarily, like we know that they're doing a thing. We know that they're going to tumble mm -hmm. into this bed. We know that he's touching her boob. Like we know mm -hmm. it, um, but, but you're not being explicit with it. And I'm kind of curious, do, do you know when you've gone too far? Um, I guess I've not pushed a scene where I felt like I've gone too far. So okay. for me, it probably would be terminology to be very honest. I think I could continue it on because I've thought that when I've looked at the scene again and I thought I could continue it on and have them continue farther. And again, because of the situation I'm in, I probably won't with these books, but for me, it would be the terminology that it would become uh, much more explicit in the terms for the body parts mm -hmm. and all of that. And that would break, break that rhythm for me personally, as you said, and I really appreciate your comment. Thank you for the, the discussion of it being a rhythm because to me, words, there is a rhythm. And I even read back my work trying to have a rhythm and you know, you vary that rhythm too. And especially in these scenes, you are building you know, a, a definite rhythm. So I really did uh, enjoy hearing your take on that. And yeah, I just wouldn't want to step over to where he suddenly, you know, he whips out his, you know, <laughs> and there, it's funny. Don't say throbbing member. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the term I was pointing to. Oh my God. Um, this is super funny though, because it ties right in. I have one of my really good friends. Uh, they're, they're British and they, you know, living here in the U S for years. And anyway, uh, Pete always says, well, it's not a true romance until you put, uh, I'm not going to try to do his British accent. I won't do it well, but until you put um, throbbing manhood in it. And I was like, no, I just can't do that. So, but I'm writing the sequel and I'm writing the sex scene and I suddenly get very mischievous and I didn't say throbbing manhood, but I did say his manhood throbbed. <gasps> and so I said, I had to let Pete know. I said, Pete, I've used your throbbing manhood and I'm going to give you a credit in the acknowledgements. Just as terminology, I'm going to say, and Pete, <laughs> for terminology. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. Terminology is such a weird thing. So I was, um, I, uh, Sarah Whitney was one of the early guests on the podcast, and she writes uh, contemporary rom-coms, very, very steamy, totally open door. And we were talking about like what words to use and what words we didn't like. And she does not like the word panty. Like she, like, it's one of those words that just makes her go, you know? Yeah. And so for her to write a steamy scene where people are disrobing and removing underwear, she's, it's like, she's doing gymnastics, not to say the word panty. And it's really kind of fun to read that, um, read her stuff and sort of, and actually like read it knowing too, that she does not like panty and, mm -hmm. and sort of see how creative she gets with not calling, not calling it that word, you know, like scrap of lace or bit of silk or, you know, like it's actually really interesting. Oh yeah. Those are, those are sexy terms too. And I think, you know, for me again, really getting strongly into the genitalia would be farther than I'd want to go. You know, there are yeah. certainly a lot of places where, you know, there's a lot of description of does this to this piece and all. And that's just really not where I would, 
personally want to go. And there's right. certainly nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's all people's comfort level and there are readers for all levels. Right. And, but it's, it's kind of funny because really some of the earliest romance I read was my mom had hid under the mattress, some pirate abduction romance that was super <laughs> steamy. And here I am like an early teen. Plus she hid in, she had hidden fear of flying by Erica Jong. Ooh. Now I was way too young to read those graphic books. I was way too young, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> when she was at home and she has no idea that I read them. <laughs> 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 to this day, no idea. No. Um, but yeah, the graphic words or just the words in general, too, because I find, you know, sometimes it can be repetitive. I mean, I think that that is something where I'm like, oh, close because you are you are fading out and you don't have to worry about where to go with the term. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to say that word. I don't want to say that word. Is there another word I can use? Because I really don't want yes, to say that word, uh, absolutely. You know? That's how I feel too, and and I think part of it's imagination too. For me, I just want to leave it more open to the imagination of that reader yeah. to then take it. You know, I'm giving them a really you know a steamy enough setup. And then, you know, they can take it where they want to. If they want to close the door and move on, write them too. But if they want to kind of meander again a little bit farther, hey, you know, you feel free to do that, sister. Oh, my God. It's kind of like, oh, this is going to be a weird analogy. But it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you have kids, but when they're little and they're learning to ride a bike on two wheels and you give them the first push because it's easier to keep your balance when you're going faster. So you give them a push. It sort of feels like that. Like you get, you're giving your readers the push, but now they got to start to pedal on their own. <laughs> true. True. Yes. It is their, it is their journey. Really. Yeah. It's, you know, they're, they're taking a journey through our guidance, through our eyes. And you know, it's a big responsibility really when you think about it. And one of the other things I actually did in this book because of my nonprofit background, which is interesting, was that uh, I put a homeless character in it and a, a, a little side plot theme about homelessness because I'd run a home team a coalition that was a lot of different nonprofits working together to try to help those most at risk in our community. I think it's very important. And as an author, I think we also we want to open people up to enjoyment and losing themselves, but we have a platform to shine light on important issues. So it's maybe a little unusual to see that in some books like a, my genre, but I just felt that was important and people are really relating to that homeless character. And he's very much tied into the mystery. He's, he's a key component. So I added that too. It was a whole new storyline that I added. And as I said, it was like a puzzle because you have the story written and it's like, okay, now I'm building up the mystery. Now I'm building in this homeless. And so I'm finding places to add these new, new pieces without breaking the rhythm, but enhancing it. Right. Right. And I just want to read like the next little bit, because I loved how it was like, love me try. And you can sort of almost again, like, like in my head, this is a movie, right? You can sort of see mm -hmm. them like, you know, she's in his arms and they're kind of sinking into the bed. And then, and then there's the fade out. And then the next bit is they awoke later with vivid new memories to join those sifted from the past. 
True to his earlier his early prediction, the connection had been electric and consuming, deep kisses, hungry caresses, losing oneself in mindless, gasping pleasure, a greedy antithesis to Edward and Phoebe's slow explorations. He rolled to kiss Tessa's cheek, welcome to Paris, sweetheart. sweetheart. She lifted one side of her well-kissed mouth, as the natives say, ooh la la. So cheeky, so cute. (laughs) But I I kind of, I was so into like the way that you closed the door and you had like this like, Almost like it was almost like watching like a 1930s film where you get the the fade out and then the fade back in um, <laughs> to like the after moment, which was sort of like I thought that that was really nicely done. And I thought that it was really cool. Oh, well, thank you. But in the 30s, they would have kept their clothes on and kept one foot on the floor, you know, <laughs> they would have been in separate beds. Yeah. They would have. They've just been touching fingers across. But, but you're right. It kind of, and this book, especially being Divine Vintage, having those dual timelines, I know I have, my writing is a little more, uh, it's got that flair of a little bit of that, uh, even though my character's younger, you know, they're in their you know late 20s and early 30s. They, you know, they're probably a little more maturity level uh, and uh, a little more, um, I don't want to say they're not old fashioned by any means, but I think the way they talk and and interact like that, yeah, maybe harks to a little bit of an earlier, you know, earlier, more innocent era. Whereas I'm trying to make it in my sequel a little more, uh, you know, modern in uh, even the cadence of how they talk. But I don't want to put so much slang in it. Slang changes too. So you're afraid to put too much slang because in a few years, people are like, what the heck did that mean? You know, you really can't use a ton of, a ton of slang. Um, I read, I read a lot of like uh, urban fantasy and paranormal and horror too. And, um, and one of one book and, oh my God, I just spaced the writer's name. I mean, she's huge in the genre Mm -hmm. and I just lost her name. But um, in her early works, or her character has uh, has a beeper, and so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is hilarious to sort of like in the era of smartphones, you know, um, to to sort of read this book and you know read the first few, and then it's then she has, she's always running off to find a payphone because her beeper goes off. <laughs> oh, you know, it's it's funny too. You know, I was just thinking when you use terms, sometimes you think people understand them and they don't mm. uh, because I was in in the sequel I had you know she's costuming a community a community theater show that's what it's about it's got this plot line and it's got a ghostly mystery too but she's been asked to costume this community theater show and ends up on stage so um oh my god <laughs> so she's every writing. costume designer's worst nightmare I'm sure but yes <laughs> she's done some minor parts but not a lead so anyway she's uh got there's this hot other actor in it and so they're up and she's trying to uh you know fit him with costume and so he's got the jacket on for um it's importance of being earnest. So it's 1895. So he's got this jacket on. He goes, Oh, well, you know, let me try on the rest. And she's like, kind of like, Oh, you know, she's afraid he's gonna, and I say drop trow. (laughs) So I have my fiance reading, you know, some of the, you know, early pages, just give me a little feedback. And he goes, what's that mean? He had no idea what drop trow was. And I said, dropping your pants. And I thought, well, if I say that now, I got. I felt like I need to change it because what if people people don't know don't yeah. know what it means, and they're just you don't want to pull them out by saying what the heck. I was reading another uh, author, uh, uh, Australian online author friend in this critique group, and I just read one of hers. She had a woman 
nursing a baby, but she wasn't nursing. She was just cuddling the baby. In Australia, they consider that, I guess, cuddling. I said, you know, you really can't use that term because it wasn't her baby. And the term for we Americans, it called up was that she was nursing, feeding the baby. Right, right, right. (laughs) So I think we have to put ourselves in, in that position of really reading super carefully for everything. It's, it's, we know it's hard to write. It It is is not an easy thing to do. I mean, that's where the editors help too. I know, you know, and I go and I get those call outs with my, you know, my day job in journalism, you know, my editor will be like, I don't know what this means. Um, You know, I I threw something I was writing actually about um, tarot cards and said something about divination. She's like, I have no idea what that word means. And I was like, really? Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, well, I guess I just read, you know, but I, you know, she's not, I read a lot of paranormal and a lot of witchy things and she just doesn't, you know, so to her, she didn't know what divination was. Yes, yes. And word choice, you know, they say right to an eighth grade level. That's really super hard, too. And, you know, for me, I love words so much and always have. And because you read a lot, there's all these words you're open up to. And sometimes even in regular conversation, something will come up and the perfect word. I know the perfect word for what I want to say. And I say it, but other people look at me like, what the heck does that mean? That mean? And I haven't considered that it's a big word, a, an obnoxious word, but it's just that I've seen it enough. I know what it means. And it's the very perfect word. So then I find myself trying to search for one that's going to be universally recognized. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just kind of strange like that, that, uh, no, I'm not trying to be this, you know, academic, you know, or or throw things in. So I really have to look at my words and sometimes I have to weigh them. And there are times when I say, you know, I'm going to use this words a little bit, you know, it's above the eighth grade level because I just feel like my readers also aren't, you know, they're smart people. Yeah. I think it it depends on your readers too, because there's certainly, you know, I I read plenty of books where I feel like, "Ah, I think this writer is, you know, and I, I think eighth grade level, I don't know. I think I, I feel like a lot of play, a lot of authors are writing above that. I think they're probably maybe yes. more at like maybe, you know, 10th grade or 11th. You know, I, I agree. Just feel like eighth there's grade a is really, yeah, eighth that's grade very is really, basic. Yeah, is really basic. I feel like there is a level of sophistication that's, um, that's a little bit, you know, higher um, now than there probably was, you know, 20 years ago or something, you know, when we were taught that. Now, if you're writing YA, you know, that's a oh, different, different story. If you're writing yeah. more toward young people, um, then you're going to be writing in a whole different, and your lingo, everything's going to be much different. Right. But yeah, we're writing for adults. And right. uh, so I don't, yeah, I don't think we want to dumb it down too much. We need to give our readers credit. And if somebody again gets into something and says, oh, that's not my style. Well, you know, so be it. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of other books, millions out there you can choose from. There are plenty of other books out there. You know, there's a, there's a flavor for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Sandra, where can people find you on the Internet? Where do you hang out most of all? Well, I on Instagram, I'm SL Young Author, and I was much more uh, prolific on there you know, around the time of the release, of course, I had a lot going on. I find myself not posting as much, but that's where I interact with the overall book community and authors and all that, bookstagrammers a lot more. Uh, 
Twitter at One Divine Vintage. Honestly, Twitter's not my bag. It's nothing wrong with it at all. I this, this just doesn't you know appeal to me uh, as much. And I do want to get on TikTok, and I've got an account, but I am not at all there yet. But I'm on BookBub and Goodreads. My Facebook page is a personal page, but it is largely around the book. But not, you know, not to not to beat people over the heads with it. Plus my performing, because I'm branded around my uh, writing and my performing. You know, that's right. a that's a my branded image. As you know, as a writer, you had to come up with your brand, and that's what mine is. And yours probably yours probably too. <laughs> no, no, I I did. Um, I was doing a P, I'm a publicist and marketer, not a not a performer. I gave that I gave that up in college. <laughs> that's actually when I started writing. When I did the pivot to writing, so uh, good um, for you. Yeah, I know. I developed I done that. I, I wish years ago. I developed incredible stage fright for no reason and it is carried over to this day. And it's just, you know, I used to be able to get on stage and think nothing of it. And then all of a sudden just started getting stage fright and couldn't do it anymore. I might have that at this point, because as, as you get older, to be honest, the memory, no matter what, the memory changes. And whereas I used to have, have a oh, sharp, sharp memory, and now I've got so much going on. I'm juggling so much. Yeah. And I always have been. But I think for me to get back on the stage, it would be a, a little scary with the memorization of go. And they call it, of course, as you know, going up where you suddenly are. Whoop, you're, it's gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And two years ago, pre-COVID, and this, to be honest, is probably one of the most challenging shows I've ever done. So it's probably a good one to actually kind of swan song on if I don't do anything big again, was I did a book or a, it was a play called Spinning into Butter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played. Uh, they aged me up. I was a dean at a, a like a liberal college on the East Coast, and there'd been a racial incident, and I was a real hard ass. And the director would not let me show any empathy or emotion at all. I mean, that she didn't want it. She wanted me. So it was very hard for me because I'm a very empath, you know, empathetic person, and I want to show emotions and what people to like the character. And it's like, nope, not what she wanted. Plus, she made me wear this big gray wig to age me up. <laughs> Because I'm having a love affair with this other dean who's, you know, he's a good, you know, dozen, 15 years older than me. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. But it was a really good experience because I did. I just worked hard. I came up with an East Coast accent, which she didn't even coach me on. She goes, oh, I like that. And it's like, and she was a, you know, she was a great director, really very, you know, challenged you. So, you know, between the accent and the characterization and the aging up, it was like, it was a, you know, it was a challenging role and, you know, I did well and memorized it all and it was very well received. So it was kind of like, oh, maybe that's a good high to go out on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really great to, to have you on and talk about, um, and talk and talk about Divine Vintage. Oh, it's been loads of fun, Elle. Absolutely. And I, I, Think yeah, maybe we have to form this uh, this support group, uh, performing, uh, writing, uh, even playwriting. I mean, that's pretty darn you know that's that's impressive. I'm a former journalist too. I started out as a reporter and a newspaper journalist, and uh, so you know, wow, <laughs> similar backgrounds running. Yeah, very similar backgrounds. Very very similar. Well, Sandra, thank you so much. Thank you, too. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you, Sandra, for coming on. Next time, Maggie Sims. She joins me on the Steam Seat. 
So make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Before we go, one favor. Could you head on over to your favorite podcast app like iTunes and rate and review the show? That would be awesome. It would be much appreciated. It definitely helps new readers discover the show. Romance lovers, steamy romance lovers like you, I would love for them to get on the the steam train. Anyway, I'll see you next time. Thanks for being here.